we'd like to welcome you to The Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast of Chapel Hill Baptist Church. Each week, you'll hear biblical teaching from our pastor, Dr. Shannon Moses. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear a way to reach out to us with any questions you might have about this message. Now, let's prayerfully listen as Dr. Moses opens the Word of God. Isn't that sweet? That is so good to be able to sing praises with brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to do, to do that, to worship in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is warm up for what we have to come. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Malachi. You say, where in the world is Malachi? Go to Matthew. Everybody turn to Matthew. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew. All right. There's 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. Go to Matthew. When you're in Matthew, turn back a page. You may have a blank page there, you may have some wording there, but Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. We've read so far this year, we've read together as the body of Christ, Genesis, Exodus, Jonah, and now this week we're reading the book of Malachi. Let me encourage you as you go throughout the week, read this book. You say, Brother Shannon, what does it matter? Why do I need to know about something so, so old? Um, Because, here's why. First of all, it's the Word of God. Uh, Second of all, these were the final words. We're going to read this morning words that hung and rang out in the ears of God's people for some 400 years. Malachi is the final words that God speaks to his people for some 400 years. It's It's the quiet years. It's the silent years. Intertestamental period. Some people call it that because it is between the two testaments, Old and New Testament, intertestamental period there, and God is quiet. There's so much that happens in world history during this time span. You can go back and you can study world history, and you, anything you're talking about, like, I don't know, basically from 400, 300, 200, 100 BC, all of that is taking place during this quiet period where God is not speaking through a prophet. He is not, he is not sharing and giving a new word. These are the final words that we have here. Um, it's, it's part of the minor prophets, the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament. It is the last, number 12, final book there in the minor prophets. But, but it is Old Testament. And I go ahead and tell you, sometimes it's hard when you get into those smaller books, the Amoses, the Obadiahs, the, the smaller books, Nahum and things like that. It's, it's hard at times for New Testament 2024 saints to grasp and wear and be able to apply the truth of something back there. It's all relevant. You see Christ. We will literally see Jesus in these verses this morning. You will literally see Christ. You'll see some foreshadowing, some prophetic future picture pointing to whenever Christ comes because after this text there are no more writings until you get in the Bible till you get to uh, Matthew and then you get to the genealogy of Jesus when Gabriel is coming there to tell uh, Mary and Joseph about this baby that's going to be coming. When you see John the Baptist, the forerunner, the Elijah actually comes and is the forerunner there for Jesus. That brings you up to speed. That's the backdrop of where we are is in Malachi. Another thing, God has, um, time-wise, in the time 
stamp of where we are. The children of Israel are no longer in bondage. Okay, They're not in bondage when Malachi is written. They're actually, they've been out of bondage for some hundred or so years out of Babylonian bondage, and, and they're really living normal life. There's no, there's no Roman occupation. There is Roman occupation, but here's the deal. God's people are okay with that. They've sort of, uh, sort of meshed and merged and, and, and put themselves so into the system that, that they're fine. There's nobody oppressing them. There's nobody attacking them. Everything is okay during this time period except one thing. Yes, they're fine socially. Yes, they're fine, I mean, politically or whatever. But they've forgotten God. The same God who says all the way back over in Genesis and in Exodus and all through the Bible that I'm going to make you my people, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people for my very own possession. Those people that God did that amazing thing to when he went and called them and made them his own there in Genesis with Abraham, and he, and he brought them out of captivity there under Pharaoh and all of those plagues and everything that we read about in the Exodus, all of that existed, and, and God wandered them around the wilderness for some 40 years, and he let them cross over into the promised land, and he told them to, to just basically destroy country after country after country after country because he had promised all this land to them. All of that history is there and brings us to this place. And, and unfortunately, so much of that history by this time has been forgotten. They've forgotten. They're no longer honoring God the way they should. They're no longer giving Him their best. They're no longer... I mean, they've accepted the fact. They've accepted a, a lifestyle of, of giving the Lord what's left over or a, or a substandard at best. And God is not pleased with that. This morning, if there's anything I want you to walk away with, is I want you to know that even in 2024, the same God that speaks to the children through Malachi back then is the same God that's talking to us today that's saying, He will be honored. He will be made much of. He will be glorified. The same, listen, the same angels that were around the throne that Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when they go up and Isaiah sees, sees the Lord high and lifted up and the angels are around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. Nowhere in Scripture are we ever told that that stops. So God is being praised. He says his name will be made great among the nations. He will be put first. He will be preeminent above all else. And the problem with this people then and the problem with this people now is we hear that. Guys, we hear that. I am, if, if we're not careful, I am a talking head. Remember the... Remember the, uh, what was the cartoon back in the day? Was it, you remember them little babies that run around and all you saw was mama's legs? Remember that? And every time mama would talk, what did she sound like? Wah, 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 wah. God to them then was kind of like, if we're not careful, God to us and the voices of truth to us today, wah, 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 wah. We know these things. This isn't new. We know God is. We know God is sovereign. We know God should be number one. We know that He is. He is 
over everything. And at the end of the day, he is our all. We know that, but our reality, like the reality of the people back then, is that we've settled for and bought into an idea that it's okay for us to just let God be God and he needs his holiness and he needs his honor and he needs his glory. He needs all that. But you know what? I really don't have to give it to him. And that is a lie. That is a lie. Because we do have to give it to him. He does want it. He does desire it. Just because, just because society isn't, he's still there. Just because the culture doesn't give him the credit that's rightfully due his great name. Listen, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. This earth, whether, whether we're circling around or flat, none of that matters. Here's what matters. God is God. And he deserves our praise. He deserves our glory. He deserves from the moment we wake up to the moment we go unconscious in the evening. He deserves everything that we are, period. He will be lifted up. Brother Shannon, how do you know that? Where do you get that from? Nobody else is doing it, and that's the thing. That was what was going on in Malachi. Nobody else was making much of King Jesus. Nobody else was honoring God. Nobody else cared to give him their best. It seemed like the culture was okay with sort of ho-hum with the God who had done everything for them. Does that sound, does that sound somewhat relatable to our life today? Kind of does. And yet, look at verse 11. Look at verse 11 in Malachi 1. For from the rising of the sun, even to its sitting, my name will be great among the nations. God don't say there's an option. God doesn't say from the setting of the sun that there, if you don't have nothing else good to do, then my name will be great. No, he says my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered in my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. That's not optional. That's not optional, period. Guys, if we're honest... Kind of like it was then, it kind of is today. This whole thing of making much of the Lord and and praising Him and, and putting Him first becomes optional. We ask for one hour a week on Sunday. I'll come if I ain't got nothing else to do. If the grass is cut, I'm okay. If I ain't got nowhere to be, I'll come. Think about it, and we're okay with that. He 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 deals with that very thing in this book. We're gonna read it. I left the house this morning. I left coming down, and I saw a, I saw a, a family, and they were they were teaching their kids to ride a bicycle. It's Sunday, y'all. Saturday wasn't Saturday was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but they might have had a yard to do. Not judging. Am I judging? Yes, I'm judging. Call it what it is. I mean, the Lord is, listen, the Lord will be praised. That's what he said. He will be honored. That's what he said. His name will be made great. That's what he said. But it's okay. 
It's okay if we give him just what's left. It's okay if we give him what we have left over. This morning we're going to read the Bible. We're going to read. There's 55 verses in the book of Malachi. We're going to read them all. We're going to work through them. Go with me to chapter 1, verse 1. Notice this. We talked last week about how God loves. God does love, but God is just and he is holy and he is righteous. God will not. Listen to this. God will not let sin in his holy heaven. Only perfect people can reach a perfect heaven and live with a perfect God. Which begs the question, how does one become perfect? They put their trust and their faith in Christ and they are then clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And it's no longer them that lives, but it's Christ that lives through them. And God no longer sees the the dirt and the trash and the sinful rebellion. What does he see? He sees Christ's holiness. God does love he offers salvation to whosoever. For God's love of the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can't look at God and say you're unfair. No, that last breath was undeserved. And that one is undeserved. And that one is undeserved. Because if we're honest, we know that as we read these verses that we're about to read, we're not much different than the men, men and women of their day. The oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, I have loved you, says the Lord. God says, I've loved you. And notice, notice something that happens throughout this book. Something that honestly happens in the pulpits when the preacher preaches is, is rationalization. We, we rationalize. We start, yeah, but, yeah, but. We start kind of talking back in our mind and say, yeah, but we're not as bad as him. Just think, there's a lot of us in this room say, well, I'm here today and not teaching my kids to ride a bike. Sunday's coming. Wednesday's coming. Opportunities to be used by God are going to be coming. Listen, don't judge. Because we're all in need. We all stand. Don't compare. That's what happens all the time in this book, in this text, in these verses. And they will say, and it wearies God. It wearies God when we complain with Him. It wearies God when we speak back to Him. It wearies God when all we hear is wah, 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 instead of you're right, Lord. We are broken and oh, wretched men that we are. We need you, Lord. We need you and it wearies him when time after time, grace after grace, mercy after mercy is shown and we reject his goodness. But his name will be made great. He says, I have loved you. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? And God responds, notice of the 55 verses, the majority of them, some 40-something of them, God speaks. It's like God, God says something, and then there's like this little blurb of a man says something. Uh, like, a, like a, well, this is what you're saying, and then it's back and forth. That is all the way through this. And he says, I've loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. But I've hated Esau, and I've made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness. Notice this. Though Edom says, we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins, thus says the Lord of hosts. They may build, but I will tear down, and men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this, and you will say, the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. God said, God's saying, look, I love you. And they're like, how do you love us? 
He's like, don't you remember Jacob, I love, and Esau I've hated? Don't you see how you guys are blessed and those, those are just basically destroyed? And, and yeah, one of them may be saying, yeah, but I'm going to build back up. And God's like, no, you're not. I'm going to destroy you. You're going to build a little because my hand and my favor and my grace and my goodness isn't on you. But you, church, you, oh, Israel, you're the apple of my eye. You're mine. God is so good. That's how he's loved us. He chose us. He made us his own. We don't deserve this. We don't deserve to be able to have this. We don't deserve to be able to read this. We don't deserve to be able to have. If you are comprehending this, you don't deserve that. We don't deserve comprehension. We don't deserve to be able to look into the deep things of God and to be able to wrap our minds around it. That's not something we deserve. Keep reading. Notice this, church. <clears throat> Tell me, is this not today? Tell me, is this not our life? A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I'm a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts, O priest who despised my name? But you say, how have we despised you? Notice this. You're presenting defiled food upon my altar But you say, how have we defiled you in that you say the table of the Lord is despised? Look at verse 8. Listen to this. Listen, this is is real life today. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Guys, what if we gave our bosses, what if we gave our employers, what if we gave those over us what we give the Lord? They wouldn't be too happy, would they? Take the dude this morning. Tomorrow calls in. Hey, boss, I ain't coming in. What you got? You sick? No, I'm teaching my kids to ride a bike. (laughs) That ain't going to fly, is it? Lord taps us. Hey, I need you. I can't. Hey, I need you. I'm too busy. Hey, I need you. Send somebody else. Hey, hey, I need you. I'll be your mouth. I'll go with you. I'll carry you. It'll be me doing it. Excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Or Lord says, hey, I want it all. And we say, well, here's a little bit. Lord, I want it all. And God says, Lord, I want it all. And we give him what's left over. God will be made great. God will be preeminent. He is, he is preeminent. Verse 9, but now will you, not, will you not entreat God's favor and that he may be gracious to us? Will such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord? Notice verse 10, powerful, powerful, powerful verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might that you might not uselessly kindle the fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. God's like, is there not one in the building? Is there not one in the town? Is there not one in the whole place that sees this and won't go down there and shut that thing down and say, hey, we're going to put Christ first. We're going to make the Lord who he says he is. He's going to be what verse 11 says. 
For from the rising of the sun, even to the sitting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name. And a grain offering that is pure, for my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you're profane in it, in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled. And as for its fruit, its food is to be disregarded. Notice this, more of this you say. You also say, my, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. So you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, says the Lord? They're giving him second best. They're giving him what's left. God deserves our very best. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. Chapter 2, verse 1. And now this commandment is for you, O priest. If you do not listen and if you do not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. And indeed, I have cursed them already because you're not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feast, and you will be taken away. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reverence. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instructions from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instructions. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways but are showing partiality in your instructions. And you say, this is talking about preachers. No, the Bible and the New Testament, we are the priesthood of the believer. If you have trusted Christ, you don't have to come to a priest. You are a priest. You are a chosen and royal priesthood. It's chosen by God to be used by God. Keep reading. Do we not all have one Father? Verse 10. Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign God. As for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob everyone who awakes and answers and who presents an offering to the Lord. Verse 13, this is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with groanings because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. You come weeping and crying to him and you're like, why aren't you listening? And notice what he says. Yet you say, for this reason, because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife 
the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, but not one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. On him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Look at verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, how have we wearied him? In that you say everyone who does evil is, in, is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? Chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Forward-looking, prophetic, future, John the Baptist stuff. Page down the road, they longed for this. They heard it, and they're like, something good's a-coming. And the Lord will seek you. See, whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and in the former years. Then I will draw near to you from judgment for judgment, and I will be swift witnessed against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the alien and who do not fear me, says the Lord. For I, listen church, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Why are they not consumed? Because remember, they are chosen by God. Jacob I have loved, and Esau I have hated. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers. You have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return How shall we return? Look at the context. This next section right here is usually preached on a tithing sermon. This is usually the tithing sermon. That's not the context of this. This is not the context of we need more money. No, the context here is they don't care what the holiness of God is. They don't care what the standard of God is. They don't care about God's requirement. They're going to give him what's left. That's what they've been doing all the way through. Notice what he says. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this. Says the Lord of hosts. No other place in scripture does he say that. Test me in this and see, don't, see what happens. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer from you. 
so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord. Look at verse 13. Your words have been arrogant against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge and that we have walked in mourning before the Lord? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wicked built up, but they also test God with escape. Brother Shannon, how does this fit? Because just like they didn't pay it any attention back then, we don't pay it any attention today. These words to many are wah, 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 wah. No, these are the words of the Lord. Biblically, these are the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. We're just reading the word of God. Preacher didn't preach today. All he did was read the Bible. God forbid that thought cross our mind. Went down there and he didn't even preach. All he did was read all day long. Didn't have nothing to say. He just read Malachi to us. See how easy? Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord gave attention and heard it. Notice church, and a book of remembrance was written. A book of remembrance, this God who does not change, a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. God does what he does for his namesake. God is who he is for his namesake. His glory. He is a jealous God. He is a he is a all about him God. And he ain't ashamed of it. Verse 17, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. Chapter 4, verse 1, forward looking to when Christ comes, for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaffed, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall you will tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing says the Lord of hosts in the next three verses rang out in the ears of the church and in the ears of those who who held high in esteem King the king of kings, and and made much of the Lord. This is what they were reminded. This is what they were left to dwell on for 400 years before John the Baptist came on the scene and Christ showed up. It was this. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. Even the statutes and the ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, John the Baptist. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Church, 
God is still looking for one who will pop his head through. In the crowd and in the busyness and in the culture and in a society where, where this is optional, where he is optional to where truth is whatever he thinks and she thinks and he thinks and she thinks. Let me tell you something. God is preeminent above all that. God will be glorified. His name will be made great. He will be all He will receive all holiness and all glory and all honor and all praise. He will receive it. Here's the deal. He is receiving it. He is receiving it. And he says in there, he says, if there's just one, if there would just be one to go down there and shut the doors and And stop playing it. Stop playing church. Stop playing religion. Stop playing the game. Stop playing and looking apart. You know you. I know me. I've worn this all week. And and, and as we easily get caught up and distracted and chase all the useless things that do not make it into eternity, there He is, high and lifted up for us to worship, for us to honor. Nothing else matters except what's done for Him. Period. Nothing. It's all going to be burnt. Wood, hay, and stubble, the only thing that's going to make it through is the precious things done for Him. Look at your life. Examine your walk. Examine your life. Examine you in light of Scripture. In light of the fact that He right now is seated and receiving holy, 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 holy. I want us to bow our heads right now. I just want you to pray. You and him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to look at your life. You're going to stand before the God of this universe one of these days. The only thing that matters is what's is Christ. The only thing that matters is living for Christ. Talk to Him. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205-339-4071. We pray that God's Word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.